0: Everyone knows radioactive spider bites can't turn you into a superhero, right? Well, maybe not everyone. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show, focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and your family. Thanks for joining us. You know, we often hear stories about how someone imitated something they saw in a movie or on TV, or heard in a song, or perhaps were even exposed to in a video game. Just as often, though, we're likely to hear entertainment industry creatives suggesting that there's no way their products could have had that kind of influence. So who's right? Today, we're going to talk about that, and we'd love for you to join the conversation as well. So be sure to let us know what you think of today's podcast by emailing us at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Well, joining me for today's conversation are Paul Acey,
1: Emily Clark,
0: and Jonathan McKee. All right. Well, I want to start with a, a, what I think is a really fun icebreaker today. Can you ever remember imitating something that you saw in a movie or on TV? This can be huge and life-changing or, you know, small and idiosyncratic or anywhere in between. Ooh, ooh
2: I got to answer first because if oh, not un- take I see, I see because every hand. single <laughs> person has imitated the thing that I imitated. And that was... After I saw Star Wars, yes, my brother and I went home, grabbed little pieces of molding, and we had sword fights, and we made the sound effects while we had sword fights. Oh, you uh, got we the sound effects? Yeah, absolutely. We were <laughs> Jonathan, I I uh, hate to
0: be the bearer of bad news, but I was an only child, so I didn't actually do that.
2: But I think that's a great example. That, oh, that is the I saddest hurt. thing I've. I've ever yeah. I know my my heart bleeds just a little bit there and wasn't it funny that on the making of like you know the kind of newer Star Wars I don't even know which trilogy we're in I'm lost so much but Samuel Jackson and Ewan McGregor, <laughs> McGregor admitted that Prequels. when they were you know cuz yeah, yeah, the prequels. There we go. When they were doing those scenes where you know the effects were gonna be in there later, they found themselves going for me.
3: There is a great YouTube clip of Laura Dern, you know, who was in the eighth movie. Um when she was firing off her fake, you know, laser gun, she would do the <laughs> <laughs> pew pew. Blaster. Oh my goodness. I love
0: that
1: so much.
0: So I, I usually go last when I ask these questions, but I'm going to go second this time and here's why. So I didn't have a lightsaber battle, but somewhere along the line, I read that at least in the, in the first star Wars movies, they threw water on a bug zapper to get the noise of the lightsabers um, going after each other. And I confess that I did do that. And it does make that noise. So, (laughs) and and the other thing they did, I read, I was such a, I was such a little geek, which will be no surprise to you that they used a wrench to tap on the wires that hold up, you know, wooden telephone poles. And that's how they got the laser sounds. And if you have never done it, well, I shouldn't encourage you to go do it. It's not dangerous, but I mean, it's it's exactly that sound. It was like,
2: holy cow, there it is. I know how to make this sound. So that was exciting. (sighs) Now our listeners are going to be imitating what they heard on this podcast, right?
3: Yes, that's right. exactly <laughs> what's going to
1: happen. Not what I was
2: going for, but there you go.
3: All right, so I'll, I'll go next. I, 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 mine is a little step down from Jonathan's, I'm afraid, but it's much more practical in a way. Um, when <laughs> I was a kid, I had a sister who was always getting in my room, always, oh, always,
0: always. Oh, I like where what this she is going. did
3: in my room. I do not know and i would beg my parents all the time i need a lock on my door so my sister doesn't keep getting into my room no avail so so what i ended up doing is i took a trick from james bond and i actually put like plucked a little hair out of my head oh my when goodness. i had hair <laughs> And I licked it, and I put it across the door so that I could prove. Because this is what James Bond did in Doctor No. He stuck a piece of hair to see if anybody had come into his hotel room. So I did the very same thing on my door to prove how often my sister went in, and that I really needed. Wow, that may be the reason why I have so few hairs now. Actually,
2: (laughs) she didn't stop. (laughs) You you plucked them all. That's exactly right. Wow, wow, you,
0: Paul. I thought what I did was geeky, but you have out geeked even me, brother. So So far, you're in the lead here. Emily, can you top that? All right. We need quotes on these. I think that would be great.
1: I am very sad to say that I was a very practical and rational child, and I did not imitate things that I saw in movies. Uh,
3: (laughs) I think there was. That practicality and rationality. When did that change?
0: Oh, I I feel like the big guns
1: are coming out now.
0: Um,
1: No, I think there was a part of me that always, don't get me wrong, there was a part of me that always hoped certain things were real. Like, I totally wanted to be a Jedi Knight when I was 10 years old. But I think that there was just a part of me that always knew, yeah, this isn't real. It's not even worth pretending. But although (laughs) I will tell you this story. I know for a fact that many people, some people who are friends of mine um, and relatives of mine, after the parent trap came out, do you guys know where I'm going with this? Where she pierces her sister's ears? um, Yeah, I know a lot of young ladies who decided to pierce their own ears with a sterilized needle and an orange and a piece of ice after seeing that movie and to, to mixed results for some people, it was fine for other people. Not so much. They had to have (laughs) their
0: ears amputated because
2: it didn't go very well.
1: (laughs) I I don't know anyone with an amputated ear, but um, and now they
2: can't wear glasses. There are a
1: few people (laughs) who can't wear earrings But yes,
2: (laughs) well,
0: I think those are all really fun. Well, except for the maybe the ear piercing stories, Um, (laughs) examples of how we watch things and movies and TV shows, they give us ideas, right? And, you know, as adults and as, you know, hopefully grown rational people, I think it's easy for us to think, well, surely nobody would ever do that. But the reality is these stories prove and the news stories we see all the time show that entertainment has an influence over us and the things we do. And so for the last 20-ish or so years, one of the things we've done at Plugged In is kept tabs on what we in-house call cause and effect stories. Now, you know, these stories that link people's choices with stuff in entertainment, it's not pure cause and effect. Sociologists would tell you, it's virtually impossible to prove true causation, so we use that phrase sort of tongue in cheek. Uh, but there's a lot of of social science out there that is able to establish a correlation between somebody seeing something on TV or in a movie and then going to do it. Uh, and there, there are scientists who study these things, and then there are just the you know the tabloid headlines that come up. And so I was reminded of that a couple of weeks ago, and this gets to my. My question in the intro, um, when I saw this headline, this is the headline verbatim. Brothers allowed Black Widow to bite them, believing they had turned into Spider-Man. Report. (laughs) So the headline says it all, but there are a few more details. These boys, they're ages 8, 10, and 12, were from a remote village in Bolivia called Cheyanta in the Andes Mountains, and apparently... They must have just discovered Spider-Man because they didn't know Spider-Man wasn't real. And they coaxed a poisonous Black Widow into biting them, hoping to gain superpowers like Peter Parker's. Now, uh, luckily it all turned out okay for them after they all ended up in the hospital. Uh, But sometimes these sorts of stories go in darker directions. Uh, You know, whether that's a habit that somebody develops or imitating something that is even more deadly. And they remind us that entertainment can capture our imaginations and inspire us to do things that we wouldn't even believe were true were it not for real-life stories like these. So we're going to talk about that today because I think it's a really interesting conversation. So to get us started, here's my first question. Stories like the one I just mentioned make the influence of entertainment seem plain as day. But I think a lot of times when we hear these suggested connections like this one, it's easy to minimize or dismiss them. So here's the question. Do you think most people take entertainment's influence seriously? Why or why not?
3: So I think it depends on the type of influence that they're talking about. Really, you know, I think that that if a movie is presenting what its makers consider to be a good influence, if it's talking about a particular issue, if if it's bringing to light a certain moment in history, and then I think oftentimes the creators say, yes, we want this movie to move people. We want this movie to influence people. Um, and, and I think in a lot of ways, that sort of attitude is the right one to have, because I think that movies can influence us. And I think that the makers understand that the stories that they tell us have power. There's always sort of a disconnect, though, when these movie makers give us problematic messages and all of a sudden everything sort of moves back and they say "Ah, you know this is just a movie this doesn't matter this is just pretend Um, but i think that it's not so easy to wash away those negative influences i mean it's a nice excuse to to have but i mean if you're making a strong point that movies can influence us in a good way it seems disingenuous to say that movies can't influence us in a bad way you know
0: yeah absolutely
1: I completely agree with Paul and I think that what you said about, um, you know, movies with like maybe historical significance or such. I think those movies do impact us a lot more than maybe we realize. Like, you know, you watch a movie about the Holocaust that maybe has a different point of view than you've seen before. It's going to influence how you feel about the Holocaust. Um, and that's just like a random example. But, you know, think I think about, um, you know, even just TV commercials you may not realize that you think commercials are stupid and you're like, oh, can we just get past this so I can watch my show again? But the next thing you know, you're, you know, doing, you're, t- shopping for something in a store or online and you see something that you recognize from a TV ad and you're like, Oh, well, let's give this a shot. I haven't tried it before. And you know, maybe it's worth something since there was a whole commercial about it, you know? So I think that it influences you as much as you let it influence you. I think that if you're really conscious of you know, how TV is affecting you, then you're probably less likely to be influenced by it. But I think it does vary from person to person, family to family.
2: Well, it's interesting too, because the question you asked Adam wasn't, do you think that, you know, that entertainment influences us? You said, do you think most people take entertainment's influence seriously? Because if you asked, does it influence us? I'd say absolutely. Yes. I mean, we could cite all kinds of studies, Do people take that seriously? That's a different question because I think that – I think people tend to overreact when something bad happens in our culture, and all of a sudden they want someone to blame. And You can go back to – I mean, this podcast is being recorded in Colorado. You think of Columbine, April 20th, 1999. When that happened, the immediate reaction is everybody wanted someone to blame, and it – immediately was like oh whoa those guys play mortal combat video games you know they uh they watched natural born killers and and, and the I mean, matrix it's kind of freaky when you yeah yeah, you know and the uh this was one of those things where they were um you know i mean they actually talked about eric harris as his journal actually talked about mbk so he referred to natural born killers so a lot of people were like this totally influenced them but it's really crazy when you start to study that stuff it's Sadly, it's not that simple. I I, I definitely think there's influence, but uh, it's kind of a mixed bag of nuts. I mean, yeah. you know, we had mental health issues going on. We had bullying going on. I think they were desensitized as they're sitting there actually taking part in the killing in video games and stuff like that. And then they were watching, a, you know, this Tarantino script which, you know, of course, is filled with violence about these guys going on this and they called their day MBK. So yeah, there was some influence there. But I think people quickly will jump to all of a sudden try to blame something right away. And um, I think we actually need to look at some of the studies on, on on how much this is affecting young people.
3: I think that that's a really good point, Jonathan. And I, I totally agree with you. I think that one of the things that we have to be careful is we wade into this to this area of media influence and and whether it does whether it doesn't, what level to which it influences you, um, it is all there are so many different factors. You know, I, I think that that watching the Matrix will not automatically turn somebody into into a a terrible person. <laughs> you know, it's it just doesn't work that way. But I also don't think that we should minimize the impact that some of these stories can have on us. I mean, we, we internalize these stories and they become precious to us. They become part of our lives. And so how can they not influence us? Um, It's a very complex stew. And I think that, that again, Jonathan, you're absolutely right. You can't necessarily point fingers to blame and say, Oh, natural born killers is to blame. No, that's, that's too easy to just point that finger but did natural born killers actually influence this? Was it part of the stew that made this terrible tragedy happen? I don't think that we can say it
2: wasn't. Yeah, I think it was an ingredient.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that we're we're dealing with enormous complexity here. And so the purpose of, of our conversation today is not to get out the hundred pound sledge and say entertainment is bad it makes people do bad things because I think we all know that is, that's a caricature of uh, a certain kind of, of stance toward this. But I think there's another side to this and this gets at my question and I appreciate you pointing out my question again, Jonathan. I think that we take entertainment seriously when it comes to other people, but we tend to think we're smart enough to know. Like I think that we (laughs) tend to put ourselves in a different category and say, Oh yeah, I know that entertainment influences all those other mindless idiots out there. I mean, you know, not to put too (laughs) fine a point on it, but we judge ourselves differently. I think that we tend to assume we are smart enough to be able to discern, you know, when something is influencing us. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in our podcast. And Emily, I appreciated what you had to say in that I think there is a difference between just sort of going into passive brain dead mode, I just want to veg out and not be aware of what's happening, and really actively evaluating the kind of stories that that we're engaging with, I think those are two really different ways to watch something. And so I think the potential for influence is bigger, when we're just in that passive entertainment, veg out mode, than when we say, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the images. Let's Let's talk about The Matrix. I, rem- I remember coming out of The Matrix, and we're not going to talk about The Matrix, by the way. I'm just giving this as an example. I remember thinking it was one of the most engaging and original stories I had seen in a long time. I also remember thinking I can't remember the last time I saw a movie that made shooting people look so cool. You know, uh, it just. The, the cinematography and, you know, the flowing black trench coats as they did flips and shot the bad guys, they made violence look like a ballet. And and I don't think we can underestimate, as Paul was saying, how sometimes those images may really desensitize us. And we may not think of, of imitating them as a morally repugnant act, but hey, wouldn't it be cool to do something similar. And that leads me to my next question. You know, a number of years ago I came across this quote from horror movie director Eli Roth. And it's always stayed with me because I think it's a it's a great summary of what we sometimes hear from some creatives in Hollywood and and in the entertainment industry. He said, quote, when I go to see an R-rated horror movie, I want lots of violence. I want nudity. I want sex and violence mixed together. What's wrong with that? It's all pretend. And Paul, I think you used that word earlier. It's all fake. It's just acting. It's just magic tricks. Hopefully we'll get to a point where people realize movies don't cause violence. It just reflects the violence going on in the culture. So let's unpack this quote a little bit. What do you think about what Eli Roth has to say here in terms of, you know, it's just a reflection of the culture as opposed to something that potentially influences others?
2: You know, it goes back to something that our listeners have heard us talk about, you know, again and again on this podcast. Uh, He's, of course, saying that, you know, it reflects. He's saying that media is just a mirror. It's mirroring our culture, that it is not a map. And most people who study youth culture will say it is both. They'll say, yeah, you can like you think of movies like Boys on the Hood way back in the day. That was when I was working with, you know, a lot of gang kids and a lot of them went when they saw these movies boys in the hood and there was there was other ones out there at the time even though these movies were supposed to kind of reflect what street life was like i found that most of the kids that were going and seeing those movies were come back and like oh remember that scene where you know and and they thought it was like kind of cool and uh so it's interesting how you know is this a map or a mirror and i think in youth culture very often entertainment media serves as both it might reflect like a mirror you know our culture but it also provides a map hey you can dress like this you can act like this this might be a possible solution to what you're feeling inside
1: hmm. I I think that if you're going to reflect the culture you should be thinking about why am I choosing this part of the culture to reflect? I mean, aren't you kind of just exploiting the victims of those horrific crimes? I mean, he's specifically talking about violence and horror in this um, quote. So it's like, aren't you exploiting those victims of the actual crimes that you're reflecting, quote? So I think it really what he's doing here is he doesn't want the responsibility. He doesn't want to, the accountability um, to be placed on him for what he puts in his movies because one, because it takes effort. You have to, you know, think about ways to not make it a map, but then also it often means less money in your pocket because this sort of stuff sells really well. People like watching it for some reason and so, you know, if you choose actively to not put that in your movie, then yeah, you're probably not going to make as much money.
3: Yet... When I listen to this conversation, the, the thing that keeps popping up into into my brain is is like the ultimate example of of both the map and the mirror in a way, and that's thirteen reasons why. Um it yes. just recently launched its fourth and final season. Emily did a fantastic review for us on plugged in. Oh thanks. Um, we've been covering this for a good long while. And you look at it, this this is the 13 Reasons Why was really created as sort of the antithesis of what Eli Roth is, is talking about, right? It started off with, with the best of intentions to really talk about a very, very serious issue uh, and, and help be a catalyst for a good positive change in, in the lives of those who are watching it. Um, And I think on some level it was, you, you had uh, more calls to uh, suicide hotlines, um, which suggests that people were actually searching for help. But that first season obviously featured a very, very difficult and controversial scene where you actually see somebody take their own life. And many mental health experts say that that scene may have been a catalyst for what they saw in the stats that came out you know a year or two later which was that suicides actually rose among teens right after that episode was was unveiled and you can see the power i think of of stories to really move the needle in in positive and negative ways and and sometimes honestly with certain shows with certain movies I think that it's so dependent on the person who's actually watching it, whether it's a good catalyst or a bad one. Um, It's it's a really difficult issue.
2: Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because even I think in in one of our most recent podcasts, um, I shared the study that we're finally a bunch of researchers actually got together and agreed on the effects of social media on girls specifically. It's one thing that that researchers actually are all agreeing on and rarely do researchers all agree on something. Um, but the interesting thing is that with, what they're all agreeing on is that there's a recent mental health crisis and it's really linked to social media. And that kind of started around 2012 when those devices got in our pockets and we started to see it get worse and worse, 13, 14, 15. So of course... Right around then, all of a sudden, four years ago, the first season of, uh, you know, 13 Reasons Why comes out and it addresses some of those issues, some of the pressure of social media. Someone would take a picture and post it uh, of, you know, and there was an upskirt photo and some of the stuff. And they were dealing with stuff that definitely was happening out there on campuses. And I know because I do school assemblies and every campus I get on, they're dealing with these issues. So the show was dealing with these issues. But for research to say it's this show that caused that—that's a jump, that's a leap, you know. Um, now, is that to say that there's not a single kid out there who wasn't already feeling, you know, alone and hopeless and desperate? And when they watched that show and watched how she went out, they didn't think, you know what? That's a good idea. I think there probably were some kids that that kind of almost completed that thought, or they thought, "Yeah, I'll show them like she did." I think, and, and that's that's the hard thing about art is when we put art out there, even if we have the greatest intentions to say, "Hey, you know what? This is to hopefully expose that." Um, we've got to be careful of uh, you know imitators out there. And I I think there probably was a a few kids who maybe got some ideas from that show.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Jonathan. And that we're, we're in a space where on one hand, I think we need to be careful not to have a knee jerk reaction and say, Oh, this caused this. As I was saying at the outset, the people who study this stuff are really careful to say, we aren't able to prove causation. But as you said, you know, if somebody was 90% of the way there and they watched this show in a vulnerable state of mind, it might've been the catalyst that pushes them the last 10%. And all we can say for sure is that there was a rise in teen suicides after this show came out. And so I think it's, it's reasonable to ask the question, was there a correlation between this show and this outcome? Now, it's not actually not a question that we can answer definitively, right? Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't, you know, maybe there were other things happening, but even as this show, the first season, especially, it, it's been a little bit less about suicide in the, the three seasons that have followed, although that's still in the mix of subjects, you know, was this something that ultimately helped or, or hurt? And as Paul was saying, it probably did some of both of those things But I think it's a terrific example uh, in terms of talking about the influence of pop culture, right? Here's something that's happened recently where we have some evidence both ways that maybe it hurt and maybe it helped. Uh, And I think for parents, we have to remember that, as we used to say a long time ago at Plugged In, it's not just entertainment, that it's not just what Eli Roth wants us to think it is, which is. You know, fun with fun and quote marks stories that have all this stuff in it, the ideas, the images, the worldviews, the suggestions that show up in these stories, depending on where your son or daughter is at, um, can be something that really plants a suggestive seed for them. And some kids are going to look at it and say, that's dumb. And they have the natural personality and wisdom and maturity to reject those (laughs) ideas. But for other kids... Um, they may go out and imitate exactly what they saw. I remember when I was 16 and Top Gun came out, I came out, got in my car, and I was driving 90 miles an hour on the freeway because my adrenaline was so amped up. It wasn't even that I made a decision to do it. That just kind of happened. Um, and so as we as we close out this discussion today, what I want parents to really take away is entertainment matters. There are things happening in these shows and in these movies that potentially are going to influence the way your son and your daughter process reality. And maybe it's in, you know, don't be an idiot kind of ways, you know, don't go car surfing after you see, you know, some old movie where that happens, but maybe it has to do with our beliefs and our convictions as well. And so the goal is for us to be engaged with our kids relationally, so that we're able to talk about things that might be an influence, or if there's a behavioral change or something happens, we also have the ability to say, I wonder if because they saw X, this is how they're behaving in a different way. And we can have a conversation about that. So again, our our message here is just, we've got to be engaged with this. We don't have to be fearful of it or reject all of it, but we have to engage with, with discernment and wisdom and have an understanding of how these things are potentially influencing our children. So what about you? How have you seen the influence of popular culture around you, maybe in your life or in your kid's life or in the life of someone you know? We'd love to hear your stories and observations on this subject. So if you'd like to share your thoughts on what we've talked about today, be sure to email us at team, that's T-E-A-M, at thepluggedinshow.com. And if you'd like to go deeper on this topic, Focus on the Family has an entire podcast dedicated to the show, 13 Reasons Why, and its influence in popular culture. You'll find a link to that conversation in the episode notes, and we have lots of other great articles and resources for you there, too. You'll find it all at thepluggedinshow.com. Thanks so much for listening today. In addition to hearing from you, we'd love to get your feedback or comments wherever you get your podcasts. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future, too. As always, we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show.